Bits and Bricks. Welcome to Bits and Bricks, a podcast about all things LEGO games. I'm Ethan Vincent. And I'm Brian Crescenti. Together, we look back at the rich 25-year history of LEGO games, chat with early developers and seasoned studios who have all tackled the creation of video games for one of the most popular and respected toy companies in the world, the LEGO Group. Brian. Hey, man. How's it going? It's going great. It's another wonderful episode, a conversational episode today. Yeah. And we are looking at LEGO Overwatch. Yeah, yeah. While the LEGO group has been, you know, making video games for more than 25 years now, physical LEGO brick sets and themes that are built around, you know, existing non-LEGO group video games are actually fairly right. rare. I think the first one, right, was born out of the concept uh, in, in the LEGO Kuso program, which later became LEGO Ideas. And that was based on Minecraft. And uh, that original pitch became the Minecraft Micro World. Um, you know, it's that four set and uh, was released, I think, in June uh, 2012, June 6th, 2012, uh, to be exact. Yeah. And, you know, that first set led to dozens of more releases, and Minecraft remains, obviously, one of the most popular themes for that company. But, you know, since the first video game theme release, there have been fairly few new video game additions to official LEGO game theme sets, right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, which is, on some level, at least as a gamer, it seems strange to me. So you've got, as you mentioned, you've got Minecraft, obviously. Yeah. A huge deal. And then LEGO Dimensions, which uh, was the LEGO group and TT Games' take on Toys to Life, that brought with it this this amazing bunch of add-on packs, some of which were based on video games like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, and yeah. they had that really cool Midway Arcade, and, of course, Portal was yep. was one of the sets. Um, and then earlier this year, uh, the LEGO group announced it was turning uh, this uh, LEGO Ideas creation based on Sonic the Hedgehog and the game's Green Hill Zone into mm-hmm. its own set. So that's another yeah. one. Yeah, and don't forget uh, last year's mega hit, you know, LEGO Super Mario and the NES model. Yeah, that's true. But back in 2018, the LEGO Group and Blizzard Entertainment announced that the two companies were working on this new range of LEGO theme sets based on Blizzard's popular Overwatch game, uh, which, you know, when that news broke, I was I over the moon. <laughs> and so the, the first six sets were unveiled in November 2018, and, mm-hmm. and then they went on sale in January 2019. But actually, the talks between the two companies started way back in 2017, and probably not too surprising if you know a little bit about how the LEGO group works and some of its its own sort of core concepts. The project had a number of major hurdles to clear before the sets would be able to come to life. Yeah, that's true. And I think one of those hurdles included things like the LEGO group's traditional stance against featuring contemporary weapons of any sorts, right, and in yeah. its themes, as well as trying to kind of narrow down which of the game's many popular characters and settings, you know, should be turned into LEGO sets. I Imagine that to be pretty overwhelming, right, Brian? Where it's like, yeah, totally. if you look at a video game, it's like, I want everything to be turned into yeah. Lego theme sets. But yeah, obviously right. not possible. So really cool. We were able to chat with Mike Hummel, who's the director of product development for Blizzard Consumer Products, about how a mutual respect between the Lego group and Blizzard Entertainment around you know the wonderful creations both companies make inspired and fueled the creation of these popular sets. Mike, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, how, how the Lego group and Blizzard started um, 
you know, like like the year these these first conversations kind of got off the ground? Yeah, let me think about that. Um, you know, I think things began to shift into high gear probably shortly right after the announcement of the game. Uh, one thing we see is that the you know the Overwatch community is is constantly inspiring the Blizzard teams, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with artwork, videos, and uh, custom Lego builds, you know, created from their own collections. You know, looking at those, you know, that's when we really wanted to pursue the opportunity of bringing you know our Overwatch universe to life, uh, you know, through Lego bricks. Yeah. Uh, let me think. When conversations began, I can remember we had a lot of initial ideas, uh, and a lot of them actually went on to become construction sets. Uh, from my own experience, you know, on the consumer product side, I can remember I really wanted to see a physical transforming bastion. And so, you know, I was really excited when Lego first visited the Blizzard campus, and, you know, that, that bastion prototype was one of the very first sets they showed us. Wait, so if there are some, for some reason, some people out there who have not seen Bastion, I know that uh, boggles the mind, mm-hmm. but if that were true, what? how would you describe what Bastion is? Well, Bastion is this amazing uh, character that, you know, within the game, he's got three different modes. And so that really allows, you know, from a consumer products perspective, it's very interesting that it's it's three-in-one characters. And to being able to work with the Lego brick engineers to create, to engineer that product so that all three of those modes were captured and you could transform them from one mode to the next was really exciting for us. Yeah, and, and so, and he's sort of like, a, is it fair to call him a robot? Is that, or is that off, uh, off brand? Like, what, what do you guys internally, what do you refer to him as? Let's call him an Omnic. Oh, right, of course. So, uh, obviously, Overwatch is huge, has a huge following, but you guys also have World of Warcraft, you have Diablo, you've got all of these amazing IP. Why was it that Overwatch was the one that you felt was like, this is the right game for a Lego set? I think we were really guided by the characters, you know, and the maps of Overwatch. You know, the many maps of Overwatch allow players to adventure in a hopeful future kind of on like a global scale, you know? And, and if you think about some of those maps from the Horizon Lunar Colony to, you know, to the Hollywood, uh, it, it was really like a playground of possibilities uh, when we were able to work with the LEGO group on figuring out what those initial sets were going to be. Uh, there's a diverse cast of characters from the game, and they have so many different skins. It just seems like it was a perfect fit for the LEGO minifigure format. And then, you know, even think about the vehicles, right? You know, one of the sets we did was the Dorado Showdown set. So we even get the benefit of having, you know, more people spend time on the payload by constructing it through the Lego kits. Yeah, um, it, it is. And, you know, what you, what you guys ended up with is is simply amazing. I am curious, once you decided you wanted to move forward on this, how was it that the two groups worked together? Were, were you sort of coming to the table with pitches or like, what was that back and forth like? You know, uh, to my memory, from the very beginning of the process, it was a highly collaborative opportunity between the two groups. I mean, there were multiple trips. Mm-hmm. We had both teams visit the respective company headquarters for creative syncs on what we wanted to do. Uh, the Lego brick engineers presented a number of prototypes uh, for the Overwatch game developers to take a look at to get their feedback. Yeah, you know, from my perspective, it was one of the best meetings I've had the opportunity to attend during my time at Blizzard. 
You know, speaking of that, uh, you know, that, that Bastion piece, I can remember being very distracted in that very first meeting because I kept looking at it and I wanted to get up during the meeting and convert it into tank mode. That's so cool. And so was that the, that initial prototype, was it something that could be actually changed or was it something they designed to be able to uh, sort of go between modes? You know, that was, that was the first question I had. And I was asked to, you know, don't jump ahead, don't, don't jump ahead, wait till they present it during the meeting. <laughs> and then ultimately they did show us that, you know, they were thinking about it when they were, when they were making the prototype, that they wanted it to change. And that was something that we wanted to see in the final, final model that was released. That's very cool. Now, were you among the the few uh, Blizzard folks who went to uh, um, Bill and Denmark to Lego Group's headquarters to uh, kind of do the tour? You know, maybe after the pandemic, I'll have the opportunity to participate in a second visit. I did get a chance to talk to my colleagues, and they told me it was a an exceptionally memorable experience for them. Uh, they got to visit the Lego house, uh, the production factory. They were given a tour of where they store, you know, every Lego set that's ever been created. I, I can say, as someone who helps the internal Blizzard archival team uh, that maintains historic products for our BlizzCon convention and for campus displays, I would very much like the opportunity to visit the Lego studios. Yeah, it's definitely an amazing place. I think you'd really enjoy the the archives at the Lego Idea House. Um, but it sounds like you have something very similar to. Can you tell me a little bit about that? We do have a team that's dedicated to maintaining, you know, artifacts uh, from all of the Blizzard games. Uh, the group also runs the library that we have at our headquarter campus in Irvine, and all of those things are kept in a similar process. We, you know, we're, we're inspired by what Lego's done, and every year at BlizzCon, we we march those out and we let the fans interact with them. Nice. Uh, if I believe at BlizzCon 2019, we had the Blizzard Arcade. And that was a great place for us to show off some of those cooler things from Blizzard's past. That's very cool. So you, so you all uh, have these meetings. Uh, they, I understand they came to visit you as well. Um, once you decided on doing this, uh, doing the Overwatch themed Lego sets, how did you go about deciding which of the many settings and characters uh, should be turned into sets? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it was an iterative process between the teams on what we wanted to do. Uh, to my memory, we started with like a basic outline of how many sets would be included, you know, at launch. And we got to see the size and the brick piece count of those products and what we were looking to build towards after the initial uh, releases. We, we mapped out a list of possibilities, and then we began to focus on which Overwatch maps and the specific characters that worked well for the different set configurations we were, we were considering. We really wanted you know, a diverse selection of characters and locations for, for players to build with those, those very first sets. Uh, you know, sometimes it was, you know, we concepted around a, a central set piece. Uh, you know, I'm thinking like maybe like the rocket in the Watchpoint uh, Gibraltar set, you know, and, and then right. other times, you know, it was really just really all about the characters, like, you know, like the Junkrat and the Roadhog Junkertown kid. Were there any any particular challenges that you all faced uh, either in in trying to come up with, you know, which figures you wanted or did the Lego group come back to you and say, hey, you know, it's really hard. For instance, with Bastion, it's very hard to have him do this sort of uh, mode change. Uh, were there things like that you guys had to work on to try to figure out solutions for? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing I can remember is, you know, 
we knew from the beginning, like one of the first things that we were talking about is just that we really wanted that yeah. Lego diva piece, mm-hmm. but we needed it to be sized and proportioned so that that her minifigure, you know, would fit inside of her mech. And, you know, what the game team was really impressed with was the Lego group's creative solution for the Reinhardt build that was actually included, you know, in that release. You know, if you look at it, this was something that was, it wasn't pulled directly from the video game, but the solution allowed for that Reinhardt minifigure to be at the same scale as the other character figures in the series. And and simultaneously, because of that creative solution, you know, his large format, his armored version was appropriately sized. And together, those two pieces, you know, created this amazing, like, double tank set. Very cool. Yeah, that is, uh, those are, it's, it's very neat to see how those minifigures interact with their uh, vehicles or, or, as you said, I guess, like the armor. So what, were you there? Or, or I, I'm assuming if you weren't there, you at least saw the reaction when this was unveiled. What, what was it like at BlizzCon when these were rolled out? Uh, I was there, and for sure it was one of my favorite memories from the convention that year. I mean, thinking about it, you know, between the the set displays, uh, you know, we had a, a behind-the-scenes panel with the Lego brick engineers, and of course there was, the, you know, that eight-foot-tall Lego diva statue. You know, for us, for the consumer products team, it was definitely the premier event for the show. The fans shared that same level of excitement and anticipation that we had, you know, when we first learned that we would have the opportunity to work with the Lego group. Uh, I can remember before we could publicly announce the partnership, uh, it, it was incredibly difficult for me not to reveal anything to my son and daughter. So, you know, in addition to being able to see and hear the players' reactions firsthand at the convention, I received the additional benefit of being the coolest dad in the world, and I still have the mug to prove it. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the the diva and uh, I think Toki, the uh, the mech statue that you had on display. Um, what was how did that come about? Was that something that the Lego Group came up with, and and did they build it on site, or did it have to be transported? Yeah, there's quite a few stories about that piece. You know, actually, there were two of them made, uh, and they they went on a world tour after BlizzCon before one of them received a permanent home at the Blizzard Irvine campus. In both on-site constructions, you know, of these pieces, they they actually had professionals come out and build out the installations. You know, I was there while they were doing it, and I was able to check out that, you know, it was a massive instructional booklet that accompanied uh, the displays making the, making the statues. I can remember I volunteered to take a week of my own time and attempt to build it myself. But uh, yeah, they told me my time was uh, better spent somewhere else. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I if I agree to the, with that decision. But uh, ultimately, it was probably better that we left it up to the professionals. Uh, some other fun facts about that. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that statue is constructed of 144,000 bricks. And we were told it contains the most pink bricks of any display that Lego has ever created. That's very cool. So you, um, in 2019, I think it was, you guys released this amazing uh, brick bastion, Lego brick-themed skin for a bastion inside Overwatch, which is sort of the opposite of what you all were doing with the Lego group. How did that come about? And were there any sort of challenges? Was that an, a Lego group idea or a Blizzard idea? And, and yeah, I'm just curious what the process was there. It was a shared experience. You know, our collaboration opportunities with the Lego group, the Brick community, and the Blizzard fans allows us to to go beyond just the construction sets. 
I mean, there were a, there were a lot of things that we we had the opportunity to pursue from the Lego animated videos to we ran some player tournaments, our game developers building some sets on camera. Uh, you know, we continue to look for opportunities to bring both of these worlds together in new ways. Now, within the game, we support events that allow us to put the spotlight on an Overwatch character, and we can reward players with the opportunity to earn a new skin while playing the game. You know, and that program, that was the genesis that really allowed us to collaborate with the LEGO group on the release of that brick-inspired Bastion skin. So I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Overwatch 2. Uh, obviously, a lot of anticipation for that game. I think it's coming out next year. I think that, at least that's the latest we've heard. Um, I'm curious, are there any talks right now underway with the LEGO group about perhaps coming up with some new LEGO sets themed around the new game? We have no new updates to share at this time, but there will be future opportunities for sure for us to reveal more about some new Blizzard consumer products. You know, the Blizzard websites and our social channels are the best sources for new information, and we encourage everyone to continue to watch these spaces. Is it? Do you think it's fair to say that the the Lego Group and Blizzard Entertainment aren't finished working together? Like, I'm assuming that sounds like there's still talks, at least between the two companies. We are definitely still talking with each other. We are looking for new opportunities, but again, we have no new updates to share at this time. Home isn't always where we live. For most of us, live in many worlds. Home is an indefinable space. What you're hearing is the opening of Blizzard's 30th anniversary Welcome Home trailer. And visually, it's it's epic. And so if you haven't seen it, you know, go to YouTube, check it out. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very special year for Blizzard Entertainment, you know, 30 years. Uh, that's amazing. So, so I guess my last question, Mike, is, uh, you know, speaking maybe, you know, for the company as a whole or, or at least, you know, in what you've heard around the company, what do you think it's been like for people who work at Blizzard Entertainment uh, to see some of the company's creations uh, immortalized in LEGO Brick theme sets? Yeah, this is definitely a special year for Blizzard. Uh, our 30th anniversary celebrations allow us to share, you know, memorable moments from our past as we head towards Overwatch's fifth anniversary, which is also happening later this year. As part of the Blizzard Consumer Products team, we are very thankful for the opportunity to work with the Lego company. It was one of the high points of my professional career. You know, eight-year-old me is is very proud of, uh, well, older me. <laughs> nice one, yeah. I enjoyed that interview. Yeah. You know, it was great hearing about the love that the LEGO Group has for Blizzard Entertainment's collection of video games and how that, you know, helped shape which game the company would decide to turn into theme sets. And, yeah. you know, I, I haven't really played Overwatch much. It's kind of a confession. I, I, I know about it, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not living in that world right now. But um, explain it to me a little bit, Brian. Like, uh, tell me a little bit about the game and obviously helping audiences who aren't familiar with the game. Yeah, sure. It's so... Overwatch is what's known as a hero shooter. Um, and, and what that means is that it's a team-based multiplayer first-person shooter game. So uh, think of it as like sort of like Call of Duty, but in, in this sense, it's very cartoonish. Uh, the characters include things like, you know, giant gorillas and a, a woman in a mech and mm -hmm. uh, another woman who can fly with these angel wings. So there, there there's a number, there's 32 
playable characters. Um, and so to, to play the game, what happens is that uh, people are sort of matched up and they're dropped into this match. They're broken into, into two teams. They, they choose among those 32 playable characters which ones they want to play for the match. Mm-hmm. And, and gameplay is essentially uh, boiled down to one side, one team, trying to achieve some sort of goal. So that can be things like uh, escorting a payload, which is like a truck across yeah. the map. Yeah. Um, and then the other side is trying to stop them from doing that, from achieving that goal. Um, and this this is usually done through this sort of fantasy cartoonish gunplay. Mm-hmm. So the, the game was designed uh, to be, and, and it turns out is, a very popular form of esport as well. So you, you see this being played on a competitive level, both professionally and even on the college level. Yeah, which, you know, it's kind of interesting because turning this into a Lego's theme set uh, is a bit unusual, I think, even on a number of levels, right, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the ways they did this is that uh, the Overwatch as a property has sort of outgrown its initial video game, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. it's gone on to become sort of a a broader franchise. Um, and so now there are these sort of short cartoon-like videos that you can watch that actually provide backstory to the characters. Um, and there's even a digital comic series. And and there's this very rich sort of overworld and and all of these backstories that are, are they're really only hinted at in the game because the game is so... You know, it's like a football match, yeah. you know, where everybody has a goal and they're trying to achieve something. But you've got this this massive backdrop th- that the Blizzard Entertainment and the developers are really just starting to explore. Nice. Um, and I think that helps a lot with uh, the, uh, the Lego Group's approach. Yeah, it sounds like you could argue that the Lego Overwatch theme sets are more about, you know, the broader world in which, you know, Overwatch exists than, than maybe the actual gameplay, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Cool. So we actually talked to Stin Funder Listel. Uh, he's the senior marketing lead in product development at the Lego Group about, you know, this very question. The first question that we obviously like to ask everyone is if, you know, does anyone at the Lego Group play Blizzard games or Overwatch? Uh, are there any super fans out there you know of, Stin? Plenty, I would say. I can't count how many I know of. In my current team, we have a long-time WoW player, very dedicated, know every bit details. In yeah, I even remember back on the process of developing Overwatch, how many people came actually to the project. I remember coming in and offering support and and showing their passion for for the franchise and the game. I know we had one who actually met her husband in a Blizzard game, wow. who was also herself a high-ranking Mercy player. I think in one of the top. 500 players in the world at that time. So uh, there was a lot of dedication around. And yeah, uh, yeah. So there's quite a few, I would say, uh, not just Blizzard games, but also just games in general. So um, I, I have to think that some of that passion that some of those people had at the Lego group for Blizzard games, and in particular for Overwatch, must have been a important part of the decision to try to get this made into a theme set. Uh, the reason I ask that is I think Overwatch as a video game, because it is uh, it has guns in it and because it has that sort of uh, cartoon-level violence, there must have been some pushback at the beginning. So I'm just curious, was that a big challenge? And what was it that made the team decide to really fight to have this made? For me, gaming is a little bit like a franchise. And I think when you start talking to people at the Lego group about what world this game would live in or what context it lives in, it's a franchise born within a game 
and I think in, in many ways we, we can draw similarities to other franchises who also have guns. So I think once you start that, telling that story, I think people quickly understand what we're talking about and why guns is not necessarily a big concern. So I think that's that's the short storyline. I think when we dive into it, I think Overwatch is a very colorful and inclusive world where I think many people of the game itself and the creators, Kaplan and the team, what it's really to sell is is the fantasy in the universe, right? With with speaking gorillas and and and, and hamsters and so forth. And I think the the interesting part is that when it's fantasy, the premises changes, like with Star Wars or Batman and so forth. Um, so guns become secondary. It's of course something we, we we reflect upon and talk about. It's not um, we know that people are looking at the Lego group for for many reasons, and I think one of them is definitely also the violence aspect of it. Um, so it's very much about how you interpret that game world or franchise. So of course there was dialogue, and we we talked back and forth about that as well here. But I wouldn't say it was a massive concern. I think every time you enter a new territory like games, there are some people who are new to that. And particularly if they're not familiar with gaming themselves. And therefore, these conversations, of course, uh, have to take place. And they took place to some extent, I would say, just to make sure everybody was on the same page. So, Stin, uh, we, we talked to Mike a little bit about this, but but I'm curious um, about this origin of, of the Blizzard Entertainment Lego Group collaboration and, and kind of your side of the story here. Um, how did this uh, idea come about? To my knowledge, the conversation started back in 2017. And I think I wasn't part of the first meetings with, with Blizzard. And I think you know, as soon as Overwatch actually came out, there was an interest. And in, in, I think on our side, at least, they, we kept an eye on it from the very get-go. And I also know Blizzard had had an eye on, on LEGO to some extent, at least. But I think the first serious conversations took place in 2017 uh, among senior staff. And then I was brought in at the end of 2017. So you, you, this idea sort of starts floating around. It, did it start with Overwatch or was it just you wanted to do something with one of the properties that Blizzard Entertainment had? Overwatch was on our radar because of the, the way the, the universe is sort of constructed or, or built. We have an eye out for any entertainment franchises and particular gaming that, are, that, that we find relevant and interesting. But definitely Overwatch was the one we had on our radar early on. And what, what was it? I know you talked a little bit about that, but... Was it sort of the inclusivity and the creativity of the world that drew you to Overwatch in particular? I think it's the storyline behind Overwatch that, that really intrigued us. I think there's the fantasy element, of course, because on the surface, if you don't dive into the, trying to understand Overwatch, I think it can can be many things. But once you you know you, you familiarize yourself with with Overwatch and, and understand it, what the game is about and how it's trying to basically f- fight for a better world and and the characters, how well created they are and background stories and how much effort I think Blizzard put into to making this an inclusive and colorful world that really has a broad appeal and but also stands for something. I think that was that was what, what really always caught our, caught our interest. So I understand that during this process, I think early on, there were a group of people from the Lego group who went to Blizzard's headquarters and then some people from Blizzard Entertainment who came to the Lego group. Uh, what were those meetings like, those trips? I remember the first time being in Blizzard headquarters. I was uh, a bit starstruck. I was to admit, I'm a big fan of Overwatch and meeting Jeff Kaplan for the first time. I was um, it, that, that's that's humbling. I think when you meet people and come from, from something you're very passionate about yourself. But I also think it was just meeting a, a world of uh, the whole sort of Blizzard team behind uh, behind Overwatch and seeing you know they're super kind people. They're passionate about what they do. They're passionate about Lego, and I think we were super excited on on the Lego group side just for 
for being there and talking about this. And we brought a different concepts idea. We, of course, prepared a lot. So bringing a lot of those ideas along and sitting in the Blizzard headquarter and, and talking about a future product line like, like Overwatch, that was uh, super exciting. And I also think, I think quickly realized there was quite a good, um, there's a lot of respect and, and good energy in the room uh, just over the course of the stay in, in, in Irvine, but also when the Blizzard team came to, to Denmark and, and Bill on the headquarter. I think uh, they're super passionate about Lego as well. So I think there's generally, the, I would say it was a super collaborative approach we had to the whole project. And, and I think the passion from both sides helped fuel that a lot. Um, and that started from the very get-go of those first meetings in Irvine. And later on in Bilon, that continued there. Would you say it was sort of a like a hard sell to convince Blizzard that they should have an Overwatch Lego theme set? Or or was that something they were on board with right away? I think they were on board right away. I think we, we had ideas around it, but I also think they had many ideas as well. I think they also came up with some, some early ideas on how it could look like. So um, it was quite easy to get going. I think what's interesting when you talk about it, about gaming, character-driven universes, it's always how you translate it into to a very square world. So there's a lot of organic forms in, in Overwatch, basically because of the characters, but it could also be down to the, to the vehicle. So, and so I think we talked a lot about what it could look like. And I think some of the early conversations were definitely around sort of the DNA of what a Lego Overwatch product would look like. That's cool, yeah. So Brian and I were uh, talking, and, and we heard a fun story. And it was about the Lego group first going over there, and, and you had Bastion with you. And, and there were some people at Blizzard who, who were very antsy, you know, to, to get their hands on it and, and, and to change it into different modes. Uh, what, what, what was that meeting like? I clearly remember that meeting. I think we were in the, in the room, sort of in one of the old team's call room meeting rooms, and we brought a whole bunch of models, um, basically a range of models to test out, you know, what what would work and what wouldn't work, and we didn't know what the Overwatch team would think of us the different ideas and directions. And but one of them definitely caught on the eye immediately was the Bastion model. We have a fantastic designer Louis who works tirelessly on it. And the first time the Overwatch team saw that, they were just immediately in love with it. Yeah, at least it's my interpretation, as, like many others were. So it, it was just a great meeting and the transformation of the model that actually didn't come around in the first round of the model. I think Louis did three, four rounds of that model before we, we got it right. And and everybody was happy about it. So um, the first time you see the model, it was came as, as Bastion as a, as a character uh, and not turned into a, a turret. And then once you see the transformation and, and show that to the Overwatch team, they were, they were I think the jaws dropped a bit. I think um, when you, it's a really, I think we felt it was a really strong representation of their character. And I think uh, once you also see the transformation, people uh, and yeah, Joe Watson was really surprised and happy about it, I would say. That's curious. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in how it was you guys would go about. I know obviously the Lego team has a lot of experience cre- recreating things using uh, Lego bricks and elements. How did you go about figuring out things like the transformation? And, and also, um, uh, were there challenges? I know we've interviewed other designers who've talked about, for instance, with Doctor Who having to have special bricks made to get the color right. Were there things that like that that came up with the, the Overwatch set? Absolutely. I think we had two larger batches we've done where there was a lot of tweaks to it. I think the interesting part with, I think, with Overwatch was we did a lot of research and insights on it from the very early on to understand also what, what would Overwatch mean in the world of a, of a Lego consumer, but also what, would it, what is important for an Overwatch fan. When, when we talk about, would you translate their passion into Lego? What would they care about? What would they think is important? And a lot of learnings came or insights came out of that. 
I think it's interesting, for example, with, with, with the Millennium Falcon, you see that for, for a short amount of time in a movie. So it's, it's not that you see, have a deep knowledge around what the interiors look like. Of course, you can freeze images and you can sort of study them. But overall, it's a, it's a movie piece that, that moves on. And then unless you've watched the Han Solo movie, or I think then, then it's fairly short time you spend with that model, to be fair. But when you talk to, to people who game a lot and people who Overwatch fans who play this game so much, so they, they know the ins and out of this world. So authenticity becomes extremely important. You have to care about these models down to the very little details and translation of how you, you translate that, that world because not everything can be directly transformed into Lego or the Lego system, or the Lego Kubrick system. It's important to, to get that right. And, and there are some ways we translate certain things when it comes to, to the bricks. So that was very interesting uh, to do. And, and there were certain elements of, across the line that were um, particularly, of course, a lot of focus on, particularly in characters. So we molded a lot of new um, elements, particularly around hair pieces and, and so forth. Yeah. Speaking of minifigures, then, um, when we were talking with Mike and the folks at Blizzard, uh, they mentioned how surprised they were um, that the Lego team was able to kind of nail the the scale, like the the sizing of uh, you know the minifig actually fitting inside these vehicles and and armor in one case, um, was that pretty challenging or or was that something that you were you know absolutely sure that the Lego design team could could nail? I mean, that's a lot of talent designers at the Lego group, I would say. But but yes, it was. I would say it was a challenge. There's a lot of you know rebuilds of the models to make sure we had the right uh, proportions and it felt true and authentic to Overwatch. So, yeah, of course, a diva was one where we had to figure out direct, exact right way of, of getting the minifigure to fit into that, the cockpit. Yeah. We also had a fun story around Reinhardt, yeah. uh, where we brainstormed around the set and, and how Reinhardt could actually be a minifigure as well as a head. It didn't come in the first iteration, for sure. Yeah, so I'm curious, uh, internally at the Lego group, uh, were there a lot of people, I, I guess two questions. One, were there a lot of people vying to be the designers for these sets because it was so popular? And, and also, was there a lot of conversation about which characters were going to make the cut? I'm, I'm assuming everybody there who plays the game probably has favorites and probably wanted to see them in Lego brick form. So the first question, there were a lot of designers who first time around seeing a, a game like Overwatch coming into the Lego portfolio was, was extremely exciting for many designers. So we got a lot of people who showed up and helped out. And of course, we try to find the designers that can help build good models. And But some of them are super Overwatch players, you know, every bit of detail, which I think is important as well to, to in building and putting your passion authenticity into that sort of set you built. So there was a lot of, of, of that, but also people coming to the project just helping because they were, you know, I might, one designer, a graphic designer was really good at, at, at that his work, but he had some ideas. So there was also a lot of collaborative work within the Lego group, design team is, and then a lot of input from, from Overwatch, of course, as well, in terms of what they felt what, what could be interesting and fun to do. And there's all these trade-off discussions because there's so many characters, as you point out. People have a, right. a certain passion for one character, and, and we had to make trade-offs that, that we know there always were, were easy trade-offs, but, but, but of course you had to do them. And we also wanted to make sure we had some good, interesting combinations like Eva Reinhardt, but also John Grad and, and, and Hammond and so forth. So we wanted to make sure we could put the right sets together at the right sort of when we launch them in different waves so it will become interesting for the audience as well and, and listening a lot to the community I would say uh, I actually think the community from both sides played a huge role in some of the selections some of the characters because we kept 
monitoring the conversations in various forms. That's interesting. Do you? Do, I, I can't remember if you said you. Do you play Overwatch yourself? Yes. Do you have a favorite character? Yes. Well, I have several, but I, my main was is, was in the beginning Bastion, and later on also played a lot of Mercy and a, and a bit of Diva. So you, I know Mercy was. Uh, you got at least Mercy in there, right? Uh, yeah. In, in the uh, one of the sets. Do you, were there any uh, any discussions about doing, you know, obviously you talked about balancing the characters that you're doing in the theme sets, but you also have all these settings that are just amazing in Overwatch. Uh, how much discussion was there around whether or not to include settings and, and whether you wanted to include one particular setting versus another? It's interesting with a game like Overwatch because it's it's, it's such a character-driven game and as soon as as soon as you, from some from a Lego design point of view, want to make sure you have a, um, an interesting set for the fan, we had to go in and figure out where it does make sense to play out a scene. Of course, choke points in the in the maps right. were one thing. It could also be backdrops. And I remember one particular insight from a research we did in Boston where we had a, a fan interviewing a fan of Overwatch and he had clocked in, I think, over 600 hours of play. Right. And when he saw the Gibraltar spaceship, he, uh, he couldn't recognize where it came from. Oh. So I think it was interesting because they're so focused on the character and their abilities. Right, right. So we had, you know, and once you... Once you start sharing those, you, of course, you get a little bit sort of curious. What is it that works? What is it that they notice? And then, and then you have to make a, a set that really drives. A lot of them are built around the characters because characters, because that is what Overwatch is about. And then figuring out how to navigate a cool spaceship into a set as well. And then after that, we also added a lot of detail. I don't know if you noticed it, but we have references to other games, Blizzard games in there. There's one of them that is a nod to to Diablo. Really? Now, where's that? There's a Dorado set there's a piñata, which is a nod to, to the Diablo world. So you should have you should have put some some cows in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many there was so much passions put into set and, and the posters in yeah. and the Dorado set there's hidden posters in there for as credit to some of the beautiful animations that Blizzard did, but also the Junkrat set, there's a whole the whole background story around um, Roadhog and Junkrat. There's also these stickers around and, and, and so Easter eggs put into the set that we also uh, Played around with to really make sure the set came alive and and, and in an authentic and relevant way for the fans. I want to talk a little bit more about that sort of interaction or intersection of video games and uh, Lego theme sets. But before I do, I'm curious about the 2019 uh, skin that came out for Bastion that was a brick Bastion that was this Lego brick-themed skin. Was that a Blizzard idea or was that something the Lego group came up with? And, and how involved were you all with that? I would say we were, of course, we had dialogue with Blizzard around it, but it was definitely a Blizzard idea. When it comes to to integration in a in a, in a community-driven game, which I would call Overwatch to a large extent, I, I personally, sitting with the product line back then, I felt quite responsible for not getting too involved in it because it cannot, in my opinion, be a consumer product going into to a game. It has to be a tribute the other way around to you know, the story of Bastion and, and what who is he. And it, of course, there's a, a link to, to Lego, but I think it's important that it was the Blizzard team and, and, and the Overwatch team that, that came about what they did. We, we, of course, looked at some of the old ones, but the colors, the, the build, everything is, is, is from the Overwatch team. Uh, and I find that a, a huge credit because I know they work really hard on it for yeah. every aspect of it, you know, to, to fit the, the current rigging of the model, the shading and everything. But also the sound, if you notice, the sound on the model is very different yeah. than the original Bastion. And that also uh, is, is in, of course, in, in the dialogue with Lego and, and making sure it feels authentic to Bastion, but also has a, has a brick feel to it. 
So as a as a personal fan of Overwatch, I'm I'm assuming that you've been paying close attention to Overwatch too. Are there are there any hopes you have for a crossover between the new Overwatch when it comes out and perhaps new Lego sets uh, themed around that game? And that would be cool. I think we just keep continuing to dialogue with the Blizzard team and, and seeing what the, the future brings. It's a little bit tricky. I think it's also uh, we want to make sure that we deliver exactly what the fans want and and what Blizzard wants. So I think we have a, a good, I would say, even friendship today with the Blizzard team and, and then we have a close dialogue going on. Listen also to what the community says and what they're doing, and then yeah, let's see what the future holds. Um, and so this is—I was—you were—you were talking a little bit about that sort of intersection of video games and the Lego Group, and and it's interesting that despite that sort of, I think that fan base between those two sort of uh, hobbies and passions, there's not a lot of sets. So there's there's the Minecraft set, now there's the Sonic set that's coming out, both of which started as Lego Ideas pitches. Uh, obviously, Dimensions had all of those amazing mini sets, and you have Overwatch. Do you think we can expect to see more video game characters and themes coming to Lego sets in the future that perhaps aren't even Blizzard, but are just kind of across the gambit? I would hope. I mean, for me, it's gaming is a franchise approach. Um, so whether it starts, some franchises starts in the movie space or cinema space, or so uh, VOD space, and other starts in the gaming space and then transforms into these amazing franchises. So I think there's so much out there for us to, to explore and, and do more of. And I think we, I would hope uh, we could do way more. Also, our fans, right, of Lego, they're not just fans of movies, they're fans of games. And right. as you mentioned, a couple of them yourselves, um, I'm super excited about Super Mario yeah. Uh, yeah. Collaboration as well. So hopefully a lot more that will be big dream. Well, that was cool talking to Stin about, you know, Overwatch theme sets. And, you know, again, this kind of harkens back to some of the podcasts we've even done, um, Brian, about, you know, video games that are turned into theme sets. We've got Super Mario, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, even Dimensions. There's there's these really cool, you know, iterations of Lego brick sets, you know, that are based on video games. And it's really cool to see those come to life. Yeah. I, and, you know, obviously for collectors, but also for someone who's just like deeply involved in that world. And man, I can see this, you know, constantly evolving. And uh, I just think we're at the very beginning of this. It's very exciting to see how vast, you know, the Lego brand expands into the video game space, which I think is really exciting too, Brian. Yeah, I, you know, I, I liked uh, what he said about, you know, likening it to movie properties. And I think yeah. he's right. And also, you know, it's important to note that in this day and age, video games are as important or maybe even more important to sort of the younger generation of, of people coming up now uh, when it comes to what they connect with. And so I think it's great that the Lego group seems to recognize that and understands that as important as, you know, plucking some of those amazing movie properties uh, out and, and creating these uh, sets like, you know, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. It's now like, now you've got to look at Super Mario and Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm -hmm. uh, personally, being a, a Blizzard super fan myself, I, I love the Overwatch sets. I'm super anticipating them maybe doing something for Overwatch 2. I think at uh, the latest BlizzCon, they had uh, this amazing uh, Lego brick mosaic that had been made. Yeah. And it showed off a bunch of the uh, Overwatch characters. Um, 
you know, maybe that's just art they had there, but I'd love to think that that was some subtle hint that Overwatch 2 is going to be getting its own theme sets. Uh, personally, as a fan of Diablo, I would love to see a Diablo theme set come out. And of course, there are a million properties. I'm exaggerating a little, but there's a lot of properties out there that are video games that people love. Final Fantasy, uh, Pac-Man, Space Invaders. Mm -hmm. I'm old. You could tell <laughs> the games <laughs> I'm picking. But yeah. like turning those into Lego, Lego brick theme sets would be amazing, I think. Bits and Bricks is made possible by Lego Games. Our producer is Ronnie Scher. Your hosts are Ethan Vincent and Brian Crescente. Episode producing and editing by Ethan Vincent. Writing by Brian Crescente. Mixing and sound design by Dan Carlisle. Original music by Peter Premier and Enric Lindstrand from the award-winning game Lego Builder's Journey, which you can play on Apple Arcade today. We'd like to thank our participants, Mike Hummel and Stin von der Lizdal. We'd also like to acknowledge the entire LEGO Games team. For questions or comments, write us at bitsandbricks at lego.com. And as always, stay tuned for more episodes of Bits and Bricks. Thank you.